Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Fat Muscle Project podcast. I'm John Gorman, one of your co-hosts today. We've got Jeff and Lisa both in the house. And we've got one hell of a show lined up today. We're going to talk about all things refeeds, free meals, cheat meals, cheat days. We're going to talk about all those things in detail, the science of it, the whole nine yards. But I want to throw this over to you, Lisa, because you run this ship, you steer it. You've got a great set of notes and a great topic that you put together for us today. So I'm going to go ahead and let you take this away. Brilliant. Cool. Before we get into the topic, I'd love for um, everyone just to share their win of the week or the win of the last couple of weeks. Um, so maybe Jeff, if you want to share with us what's been a highlight for you. Sure. Yeah, I actually have two wins. Number one is I actually was okay mentally somewhat of giving up a leg day for a six mile outdoor hike in the woods. Um, you know, in the past, I would have struggled immensely with that. Like I was skipping a workout, losing a chance to grow, but being older and wanting to enjoy other aspects of life, I listened to that side of me and I had a great time. My legs were sore, probably lost some fat from it too. All is good. I'll train legs next weekend. Um, <laughs> but the main win that I had recently was I took on a client, very difficult case, um, having to do with a severe eating disorder. She's in therapy. But a lot of coaches haven't been able to help her because she is someone who needs a lot of attention. Um, a lot of DMs going back and forth, texting, a lot of emails. I got like 10 emails from her today alone. Um, and I took on this case at low cost. Uh, definitely not what I typically charge because it kind of tugs at me a little bit because I used to have an eating disorder and I had people help me. And now as an established coach, as, as someone who's recovered from all that, I don't forget it. So I want to, I wanted to help this person out. So I felt like that was a win and I, and hopefully she stays on to let me help her. That's, that's, that's awesome. awesome. Yeah. And I'm going to tag on to that um, first win because I actually had the opportunity to go into the mountains last weekend as well. And um, it was, it was just a lovely reminder of how recharging for mind, body, and soul being outside and nature can be. And just like you said, at first I was like, oh no, is it worth skipping this, like getting out of my routine, going into um, hiking and is that going to impede my, my quote unquote gains? Um, but then in the end, if you balance it out with the mental recharge that I got, then you know, everything is fine. <laughs> so yeah, it was awesome. What about you, John? How, what was your win for the week? Um, you know, I had a client that did really well and I can't remember if I talked about this on the last show or not, but I had a client that won his class, won the overall and just looks ridiculous. Um, and I'll probably talk about him a little bit later when we get into the topic about using a refeed or a cheat meal to, to set up a peak week to maybe do a test run or something. Um, but I had a client to do really well. Now he's going, he's going to try and win an IFBB pro card. So he's won a ton of shows. You know, he won a natural pro card when I was working with them, uh, won a couple few pro shows and the world championships. So, you know, he wants to go ahead and try the, the national level in the IFBB. So uh, we're going to give that or to get an IFBB pro card. So we're going to give that a shot. So that was a good win. The other one is just, I'm down to 204 pounds and feeling super healthy. And we're talking about free meals and cheat meals and stuff like that. But um, on our sister podcast, Elite Physique University, we're going to do a big deep dive into cholesterol and all things heart attack, risk prevention, stroke prevention. Um, unfortunately for me, I just have some really bad genetics and some really bad markers that just will not budge with perfect diet. And I mean, perfect. I had three months where I didn't touch anything that wasn't literally a monounsaturated fat and from the ground. And like, I still had really bad numbers. So 
um, what's happened is I've dropped from 225 down to 204 pounds, just eating very clean. And I think the only thing that I've eaten in the last six months, four, five, six months is I had Denny's with a friend to celebrate because I had been up for like two days straight working. Um, and I made myself do it to chill out and relax. And I've had like a couple pieces of pizza twice in that whole time. So I'm just dropping like crazy, but I feel good. I feel healthy and, um, get new blood work and stuff done. So all in all, win. I'm down to 204 pounds. So I'm still a little skinny fat, but I'm trying to, to, you know, get a little bit, uh, more of that fat off and then we'll, we'll go through a growth phase. But, you know, this, this is a topic in all seriousness that we're going to get to today. I don't think we can talk about this enough. I think there's a lot of confusion out there. I think there's a lot of disordered eating centered around this, Jeff. Mm -hmm. it's, mm -hmm. it's probably the first thing you thought of, um, because you have mm -hmm. such a good history with helping people with this. Um, so Lisa, you've got some great show notes here. We're going to get into a lot of detail, probably get into the weeds. And I think people will appreciate that. Um, so yeah, let's jump into it. Yeah. Awesome. I think first we should actually explain what the difference is between refeeds and cheat meals. Um, just so people also know what we mean with each one of those terminologies. So um, Jeff, can you explain to our listeners what you would, um, what how you would differentiate the two? Sure. I think the main differentiation is uh, how you think of them in terms of, you know, the client's goals and framework and, and timeline. So cheat meals to me is, is more so to be applied into the general population. It's more so for psychological relief, a break from, you know, structure, you know, strict dieting to spend with friends or family, maybe you have a wedding to go to or a trip somewhere nice and you want to enjoy the food, right? So that's what I would call like a cheat meal, a free meal, off-plan meal, untracked meal, whatever. Refeeds, on the other hand, are more so tracked and measured and prescribed. So you may hear of a coach prescribing like, a refeed where, you know, you have 550 carbs on that day. It's a refeed day. And the foods may be very particular. It's like refeed using white potato, white rice, and rice cakes. Stay away from processed donuts and muffins and cupcakes or whatever. So I would say the, the psychological versus the physiological benefits would be the main differentiation. Nice. John, anything to add there? Yeah. Um, there, there, are, there's so many different ways to look at free meals, you know, untracked meals, untracked healthy meals. There's all kinds of different ways to get a little bit of a mental boost and, and release. And, you know, we're not going to drill down on this too much, but like there's times where I have a client who really struggles with, with eating and eating disorders anyway. So I want to be really careful not to, I've got a girl who she's taking a break now because she needed a break from just tracking. So before mm -hmm. we took the break, I had her doing um, a couple free untracked meals, but healthy untracked meals. So she could mm -hmm. go out and eat intuitively and have something that tastes good. And it was quote unquote, somewhat healthy, but it wasn't mm -hmm. like pizza donuts. And then, you know, right. I mean? all that kind of stuff. Um, so having some untracked meals is doesn't yeah. really qualify for a cheat meal. But the other thing with the refeeds that I started to do back in the day, and whether it's healthy or not, I kind of tried to combine the mental aspect of having some quote unquote unclean foods, but in a structured way to track it, right? Mm -hmm. And I would have people do refeeds where they would have, say it's 500 carbs on that day, but I would tell them, hey, just hit your macros, but eat the foods that you've been craving. Just make sure they're low fat. So to me, a low a refeed is more of a lower fat, more of a carb based approach. And you're tracking all your macros 
where, you know, a, a cheat meal and a, and a free meal and all that, you're going to have a lot of carbs and a lot of fats. Like they're mm. both high and it's really hard to track those. Um, so mm. I used to do refeeds back in the day and I still let people do their high carb days is what I call them now. I let them eat things like pancakes, you know, if they want some cereal, if they want some low fat ice cream, you know, um, mm. I let them do that. Um, but it's very systematic and it's very tracked. And that's because it's easy for us as coaches to know, hey, if you're not dropping, it's not because you're going out and having a free meal that's 5,000 calories. You know what I mean? That's so hard for us to know what's really going on. So I, I like right. to use, for the most part, I like to use high carb days refeeds. So that's just a little yeah. bit bad. You know, John, you, sorry, Lisa, I didn't mean to cut you off. You were going to say something to add to that. That's all good. I was just going to add that um, I, I would agree with that as like from a pra practicality standpoint, um, and we'll get more into that later as well. But I usually with with especially with Gen Pop, um, I often just tend to do refeeds and like often even saying like, you know, whatever you want, um, but if maybe ex an extra three to 500 calories or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. But for me, one of the um, distinctions as well is that um, with refeeds, I I often associate a little bit longer periods of times as opposed to just a cheat meal or cheat day. So sometimes two days or even sort of a maintenance break, which we could also classify as a refeed. So, you know, three days a week, 10 days, something like that. Um, that's the only thing I would, would add to that. But um, yeah, mm -hmm. Jeff, what were, what were you going to say? Oh, one thing that John mentioned about, you know, going ham on, you know, donuts and, and cupcakes and things like that is the idea of a cheat meal. I used to uh, struggle with this myself, and I know a lot of male competitors or, and female competitors actually who struggle with this. There are a lot of, you know, side note, there are a lot of male bodybuilders who struggle with eating disorders and binge eating, and nobody talks about it. Yep. Um, but, you know, it's the idea that having a cheat meal, you have to go out and seek the most unhealthy stuff yeah. possible. And that's not the point. Like I said, a cheat meal is a psychological break. So if you desire... Like all week, you've just been craving like a fruit bowl with like chopped pineapple and grapes and cantaloupe. And you want that to be your cheat meal? By all means, have that. You don't need to go out and have a large Ben and Jerry's pint and then go home and eat a box of cookies. You know, that's where I think some people go awry. I, that's why I like the term that you used instead free meal. I, I like that. Um, and, and I, and I want to talk about the pros and cons of either cheat meals and refeeds um, in a second here. But for me, one of the big cons of cheat meals is exactly that terminology, because I do think it automatically implies doing something quote unquote bad. And then automatically that leads to classifying foods, foods as good yes. versus bad. And yes. instead of, Hey, you can have that in moderation whenever, or at least, you mm -hmm. know, on a regular basis when you have your free meal or when you have your refeed day or whatever it might be. So I really just, I actually don't like the term at all of cheat meals. I, I do much prefer free meal or refeed. Um, and um, yeah, I guess uh, other pros and cons, what, what would you say? What are some other pros and cons of either one of those? You know, something mm -hmm. that, that popped in, I, I was just oh. going to say something that popped into my head real quick because I'm old and I'll, I'll lose it if I don't spit it out now. <laughs> um, you know, I think, for people listening, the longer you do this, the easier this becomes. And when you're mm -hmm. new, e eating disorders, I feel like they're just going to happen if you diet really hard. It's almost, I say it's science all the time. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. So when you restrict yourself, whether it's from calories or a certain 
set of foods, right? Like anything quote unquote unhealthy. When you restrict yourself for a while, after you're done, it's there's an equal and opposite reaction. Now you're going to want those even more because there's nothing holding you to not have those, right? So it's, mm-hmm. especially if you dieted for a bodybuilding competition, uh, Jeff, like you and I have, and we've got mm-hmm. clients to do that. It, the post-show rebound mentally is a real thing. So I, what I want people to understand is when you first start out doing this, a lot of times there's going to be some issues with food when you're done dieting, because the more you restrict yourself, the more you're going to have to wrap this up in your head. And then, you know, the older I've gotten and the older my clients get, the more this just doesn't become that big of a deal because we've just been eating this way for so long. And if we want to have a little bit of something during the week, we're going to count it, we're going to bake it in and we're not going six days and and our whole day centered around going out and just smashing some God awful shit. So the old, I just want our listeners to understand if you're struggling right now, the more you do this, the better it will get, unless you're, you're staying in those bad behaviors. One thing I wanted to add to to this to frame it all out is, you know, the choice of like who and when you use a refeed or a cheat meal on also sort of is determined by the structure of the, the regular diet, so to speak, like the 80% of the time, how you are dieting, and then the 20% of the time where you need to use a refeed or a cheat meal. So, you know, you have a lot of, you know, bro style coaches or bodybuilders still who will literally eat chicken and rice every meal. And you do that for weeks and months on end. It, like John, you said, equal and opposite reaction, right? The cravings go, grow stronger and stronger. Now, I'm not saying that you know, you know, uh, if it fits your macros, should be practiced to the point where you're eating, you know, a spoonful of ice cream for breakfast and cookies right. for lunch or whatever. It's somewhere in between, so that the cravings don't ever grow that strong where you where you would binge, you mm-hmm. know. Like there are some people who like are afraid to eat fruit. Yeah. You know, so what happens when you put like a plate of cookies in front of someone who's fearing fruit and avoiding grapes all yeah. week, you know? 100%. No, I'd, I'd have to agree with that. Um, I think I do think that that one of, of the beauties of both of these of refeeds um, or at least a refeed that's not just, you know, an extra 500 grams of rice or whatever, um, mm-hmm. but like more of a free refeed and cheap meal or so is definitely some mental release um but i guess uh you you could argue that with the with the cheat meal um is sometimes people way overdo it uh you know if you have a regular cheat meal like like i guess one of the classic pictures that i have had in my mind of like bodybuilders maybe like once a week they get their cheat meal or the once a week they they they're so excited they're over restrict so much sometimes um uh maybe not just in bodybuilding but in general um and then and then you look forward to that one cheat meal or even cheat day and mm. that people sometimes underestimate how much you can quote unquote damage or undo within one day so if you let's say during the week you're on 1600 calories as a female perhaps um and then one cheat day you can easily consume 4000 calories easily right. and i mean balancing that out wouldn't it perhaps be easier during during the week to have like 1800 1900 calories and then just a very moderate refeed or so um so i think sometimes that gets missed um and people make life unnecessarily hard on themselves um on the flip side, when it comes to refeeds, perhaps you could argue that you never really like sometimes I hear I just want to feel full. And with a two, three hundred calorie refeed, you're not going to feel fuller. 
you're if you're in the middle of a real dieting phase and you're like you're just so great you're not going to feel that full yeah. so that on top of not of still having to plan for it on not being completely able to let go that's definitely a con for the refeed for me was there anything you'd add to the pros and cons john yeah there's there's a huge con so i've presented on this numerous times at conferences and camps and i throw a graphic up and i I show the basically a whole week starting from monday to sunday and and i talk i whenever i present i talk a lot about learning from failure so what i'm about to say i learned the hard way as a coach because it wasn't working so when you talk about the inability to make progress, a lot of it is due to, and I'm just going to use refeeds as an example, but a free meal, free day, however, whatever people are doing. We'll just use Sunday as the day. Back in the early 2010s, um, and the guy's still around, and I want to be real careful here because if it wasn't for this guy, his name's Skip Hill, if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't have a lot of the refeed styles that we have today. This guy was a pioneer. like He was early on, and I respect the hell out of Skip's work. And I've worked, Skip was a coach of mine back when I was younger, you know, right around the 2000 timeframe, 2010 timeframe. And he would do these things called skip loading, uh, which is kind of cool. You know, he called it that because he came up with the idea and you would basically every Sunday you would eat low fat carbs and you would eat, he would give you like a, a range of like, Hey, for six hours, just eat until you're somewhat comfortable full. When you're hungry, you start eating again and don't count. And you know, and it would, you know, he had people that were shredded. So then I started doing that as his client. And I, I saw some, some definite cons to it because if you give me unlimited access to eat in a time frame, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm not going to make progress. And I didn't. Um, but for some people it did work. Right. So I started to implement some of those protocols, except I started to track them and I started to have my clients track them. So I said, Hey, I want you to have, and they were big refeeds. Long story short, I gained a lot of clients in about two years because I was known as the guy that let people eat a ton of carbs. I had two guys that, that were eating 2000 carbs every Tuesday, 2000 carbs mm-hmm. and they stepped on stage. They won shows left and right. Uh, they were, they were huge clients for me and everybody was like, Oh my God, I want to go do what Gore. Who wouldn't want to eat that every week. Right. Whether it's a thousand carbs or 800. Right. right. So what happens when you get a female that has a little bit of weight loss resistance? Cause I didn't know that shit in 2011. And then you just let them eat whatever, you know, 800 carbs or something like that. The point I'm trying to make here is what I found was, is what you alluded to, Lisa. If you think about this whole week spread out Monday through Saturday, you have to eat so low calorie and have to do so much cardio to offset that big day of eating on Sunday. Sometimes I would see people take one step forward, one step back. Right. And if some people ate too much, they'd take one step forward, one and a half steps back, and they would literally just spin their wheels. So, what I found was better is I could diet people on more food, lower cardio, if I raised their calories through the week and I lowered that giant refeed. So, these days, days I'm having, you know, a female might be dieting on 150 carbs and she might eat 275 on Sunday. Now, is she going to be full? No, but hey, if you're dieting, you're going to be hungry. So, let's just, let's just get to it. Um, and I found that works way better. And that's how I diet my clients on low cardio. My clients don't do more than 30 minutes of cardio four or five days a week at the end of a prep because I use the food to my advantage and I don't have them overeat. And then finally, and I know I'm talking a lot here, but finally, think about this. Picture that back in your head, Monday through Saturday, low calories, like low calories. A, th- a female, maybe you're eating a thousand. Maybe you're doing two cardios a day. 
Don't you think your metabolism is going to slow of six days of that just so you can eat a massive amount one day a week? So if you're slowing your, your metabolism down so much doing that for weeks, when you have that free meal, your metabolism is so slow and your cortisol is so high, it's going to stick to you easier. It, and now, now that's bro science. That's me speculating that if you crush yourself for six days and you do that for you know two, three months, you're going to slow your metabolic rate way down versus if you would have kept your calories up more. So that's why yeah. I try to protect people's metabolic rate and the cortisol uh, connection there. You know, John, the way I the way I see it, and I agree completely with you. And the way I explain it to people is stop seeking extremes. Okay, so if you think about it, if you're going to starve yourself unnecessarily during the week, you're not going to be able to train as productively. You're not going to be as mentally sharp, emotionally sharp with the people around you. You're just going to be like a miserable person throughout the week and not training hard, you're not going to get the fat loss that you want, right? Anyway, only to splurge on one day. And, you know, that goes, that echoes this, the statement I made earlier about the chicken and rice people who unnecessarily make their diets more sufferable than they need to be so that they can binge on this cheat day or whatever. Um, it just makes more sense to use some more moderation. So you have the energy to train properly and then you probably don't even need such a big cheat meal. You know, Definitely. so and, and I can only agree with that. Yeah. Well, I was going to say ahead. part of the thing. Uh, let's just let's just Jeff. Let's just use your, you as an example, right? Say that this was you, and you were going to eat eighteen hundred calories for six days, do two cardios a day, and you're mm -hmm. dieting for a show, right? And then you ate four thousand calories, four or five thousand on a Sunday. You know, what kind of muscle retention would you have on that approach if you did that for twelve to sixteen <laughs> versus if you lose all my muscle? And that that's the other point, you know, and you and I know that as coaches uh, with, with bodybuilders and physique athletes, because we try and it's bodybuilding, right? So we try and hold on as much muscle. So the other thing, it's, it's gotta be extremely catabolic. And that's what I saw on my end. So when I switched and quit doing those methods, my, some of my same clients would have a higher stage weight because they got to eat more and do less cardio. So they didn't gain a bunch of muscle in the off season. They held on to more the next time they dieted is what I figured out. So it was huge from a muscle muscle uh, preservation standpoint. Super. Yeah, I think you've already touched on quite a lot of the practical or how we can implement either of those or um, refeeds, I guess, in particular um, from a practical standpoint. Uh, but I, I like what you mentioned earlier, Jeff, in the sense that it's often also a little bit personality dependent. And I really think mm. that that's actually a big part or a big um thing that a coach also has to gauge a little bit like how mm. aggressive someone wants to or needs to go because there are people that like once they open that cookie jar uh, and they have one they can't just have that one so like if you tell them mm. oh, it's going to be a 200 calorie refeed um you know have a cookie or two they're like it's it's next to impossible for them sometimes so um, for for people like that, often they'd probably prefer restricting a little bit more and then having a bigger refeed, whereas other people, they're like perfectly happy having more e equal calories or not even like sometimes even, hey, I don't want to have any difference in calories Monday through or weekday to weekend because it makes it easier for me to plan. And um, at least that's what I have found with some of my clients where it's just very different from person to person or people, if they don't see 
a faster drop it, or it, they sometimes even need need needed to feel hard i don't know if you've got you guys have had it when it's like too easy they're like this is too easy can we just go more aggressive and of course it's also a coach's job to like pull them back and be like it doesn't have to be that hard it was all as with all this restrictive stuff that you've done in the past but nonetheless it is it, it very much in my experience is very much um personality dependent i don't know if you guys Or yeah, if you, Jeff, have any further thoughts on that and also just on how and when you would practically implement um, a refeed or a cheat day. Yeah, me. you know, like you said, Lisa, it depends on how hard you go and what that timeline is, right? So let's say you have, like I had this happen to me, right? A uh, competitor comes to you with eight weeks to go, right? To a show and you think that they can make it, but you have to dive them pretty hard. So you're probably going to have to create a pretty big deficit using less food and more cardio And then you're probably going to have to implement the refeeds to keep them able to sustain that even for eight weeks. Now, I think most coaches would agree that it would be better if we had a longer timeline, right? For a natural female competitor, for example, I would prefer 30 weeks or more to get them ready for a show. And I would take things a lot slower. Now, I would probably be able to avoid the need for cheap meals and refeeds by making the diet very nutrient dense and diverse. And I would be implementing carbs, things like carb cycling, diet breaks or cardio breaks, training breaks, things like that, so that we never get to a stressed out state where we need these upticks in caloric intake to keep the client going. So there are other methods that you can use to prolong the need for these physiological jolts of energy. But eventually, I do believe that when you get someone to a very, very low level of body fat, you are going to need to implement things like this because of downregulation of things like leptin and thyroid hormone and things like that. Nice. I think that that's super helpful. What about you, John? You know, it, to talk about leptin and that's, you know, the research that we did um, at university of South Florida. Um, and listen here, here, I'm going to show my age again because I'm old and I forget. We actually tried to record this podcast before this one and we had technical difficulties. So we started over so I don't think I've talked about the USF stuff on this recording. Not yet. Nope. And I'm so old. Okay. So here, here's the thing. We're going to talk about leptin just for a minute. Um, with refeeds, I was able to be involved in the first refeed study at University of South Florida with Dr. Bill Campbell. And this was done back in 2018. And he came to me and he said, hey, I, wanna, I want you to write the diets for this. And I want to get your thoughts because you were well known for doing these giant refeeds right and we want to study this there's been no research done on refeeds and we did them right so i got to write the diets for them and what they did is they took clients or they took a, a dieting base of people for eight weeks and they either stuck to the same amount of calories for eight weeks or they took another group of people and they they had two refeeds back to back like a monday tuesday back to back and then their diet was on the other five days and what and this is an open source document it should be free for everybody should be able to go check it out And um, what we saw was the people that had the refeeds, they enjoyed the plan better. They held on to muscle better. Fat loss was as good or better with the refeeds. And, and it just goes to prove, you know, having refeeds, it really works to help keep your metabolic rate going, to hold on to your muscle and mentally to give you some enjoyment. So the research is there. I, we're always ahead of research as coaches and, and bodybuilders. And, you know, I'm a bro scientist myself. I like to speculate and come up with things that research hasn't proven and which leads to research down the road. So it's nice to have that research there. And the whole reason I brought that up is because I believe leptin is very important because as you diet and you get leaner, leptin is a hormone in your body 
that it not only tells you that you're full or not full when you eat, uh, leptin also is involved with the metabolic rate and it spikes your metabolism a little bit. So we used to think, well, if it spikes your metabolism, do these giant refeeds, which isn't necessarily true. But if you can get a small bump in leptin as you get leaner, you're going to get a nice little bump in metabolic rate because leptin is made in the fat cell primarily. And as you get leaner, your body produces less leptin, right? So your metabolic rate slows. Your body doesn't get told that it's full anymore. So you're hungry and your metabolic rate slows. So you give yourself a nice little boost in leptin from carbohydrates because fats won't do it. That to me, it speculates that, hey, I need to give somebody a little boost every, at least once a week. And if somebody gets really lean, I'll do two high carb days. They won't be giant high carb days, but you know, they'll go three, four days. I'll give them a little boost. Maybe it's an extra hundred carbs. Just gives them a boost. And every time I've done it, you know, when people are sticking to it, I've seen prolonged fat loss. And that's, you know, that's, we still need a lot of research on leptin. It's really uh, expensive to measure and do studies on, but yeah. that's kind of the theory here on how you can, you know, it's not just about mental um, help. Like it's about actually working with how the body needs a boost of metabolic rate because dieting, if you just diet on the same calories, you're just going to adapt to that over time. Right. Nice. Yeah. I, I like that you emphasized also that, it, that they're really not giant refeeds or quote unquote cheat days, cheat meals. Um, right. because I, again, like the, if you have such high overfeeding periods then the chances of your body just holding on to it, cause it's like, Oh yeah, so much excess food. I'm not going to utilize that for training or whatever. I'm just going to store that because I know tomorrow you're going to go back to your super deficit. Um, I think that's really um, important for people to know. Uh, but speaking of training and um, Jeff, I think you touched on, on training earlier also. Mm -hmm. um, is there anything that you would watch or watch out for or consider in terms of like combining cheat meals slash refeeds with training? Mm -hmm. See, that that's, some, that's something that I think a lot of coaches will differ on. So my opinion, my personal opinion is that I would rather refeed on a non-training day. Mm, interesting. And then have the glycogen storage take place and then use it the next day mm -hmm. for training. Mm -hmm. Versus there are people who say, you know, go hit a heavy leg or a back day and then go get a cheat meal after or go get, you know, do your refeed after. So... I personally have found that I diet better if I do the refeed or cheat on a, an off day. So I really wash off stress and inflammation and then get back to it the next day. Nice. What about you, John? So I, this is a topic that I love. Uh, a good close friend of mine, someone that I competed against as a, as a coach with our clients for a long time, very competitive with each other's Cliff Wilson. Um, and Cliff, Jeff is in your camp. He has always, you know, Sundays are the day, you know, as an example, Hey, it's an off day rest, do your high carbs that day. Um, and he's always believed in that. I've always been the opposite. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Does, I don't think it matters anymore because now mm -hmm. that I've seen his clients results, I see your clients results. I see my client results. I think it comes down mm -hmm. to basically preference, but here's my argument to why I do it my way. I like to do a couple of things to maximize insulin sensitivity because I'm a, a huge geek when it comes to insulin sensitivity. And maybe I got a little too much, too much into the weeds on this, but I like to make sure my clients train high rep on that day because the higher the reps you train, the more glycogen you deplete out of the muscle, which makes more room for the carbs. So to me, it helps offset fat gain. If someone 
it, you know what I'm saying? Like if they're going to overeat too much, at least the glycogen's depleted more. You're already depleted mm-hmm. from the week anyway, but why not deplete a little bit more, right? So I always have them do the higher reps to failure. Um, I do have them train their weakest body part on that day because if they're going to eat, especially in a in a uh, caloric surplus, and there's no research on this, by the way, it's me totally being a bro scientist. If, if I need to bring my back up, I'm going to train my back the most volume, the highest reps I can to failure, and I'm going to have the highest calorie days that day so I can try and get the most growth on my back. Now, will that ever be researched? I highly doubt it. Like I highly doubt anyone's going to fork the money over for that. But I would rather err on the side of that, right? Um, and then insulin sensitivity is just better. The higher your carbs are, your insulin sensitivity should be good. And I know we'll talk about supplements here in a little bit. Um, but from a training standpoint, I like to make sure it's high reps, train that day and eat that food. And then I like to train whatever they're going to train heavy. I want them to train that the next day. So if they have a heavy leg day, I want that to be the day after. So they have, they have stored glycogen and energy, even though it's going to be stored primarily in the body part they just trash. So all in all, does it matter? You know, if someone's, you know, neurotic, like I am when it comes to it, if it makes you feel better, but if you want to just rest and chill out. Obviously it works because Jeff's clients look good. He looks good. This <laughs> looks good. I think it's, mm-hmm. I think, you know, maybe I, maybe I've overthought it over the years, but I'm still, that's still the way I do it. It mm-hmm. might be a good little hybrid. Um, if we have back-to-back refeeds and we can have, um, you know, one high carb day, the day prior to leg day or whatever it might be. And then another high carb day on the actual leg day. And what I do often hear from clients too, is that they are, feeling particularly hungry on leg day or whatever. So, I mean, play, again, playing into the psychology, playing into personal preference, whereas other people, you know, when they're, when they have their rest day, they might say, say I'm less hungry automatically because it's my rest day. But then again, to your point, John, once you're in a diet, deep in a diet, you're like hungry always. So <laughs> it doesn't actually matter. I guess the thing I would say on a heavy leg day, if that's not your refeed day, probably even more important to just like bulk all your carbs around your training in particular, the few carbs that you possibly have in a dieting phase, um, as long as you can somewhat still ensure that you're heading into that training with somewhat replenished glycogen storages, that's probably important. And I can, I can probably close the book on this whole thing. And I'm probably going to say Jeff's going to win. Um, and, and here's the thing. <laughs> ultimately, I think the most important thing that people don't look at is taking Jeff's approach and Cliff and other people that like to do it this way to me, doing a refeed and a high carb day and eating at least a maintenance, maybe even a surplus is probably going to drop cortisol way more and help with recovery way more. If you actually do it on those days. Um, and that may be the big trump card in this whole thing, because when it comes to dieting, especially really hard dieting, if you're just going, 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 going nonstop, you need a day like that. And pe- sure, people have off days, but my clients have off days with an off day diet, and it's a little bit lower calorie and carb than it is anyway. So they're not really getting that reset in cortisol. I think, Jeff, I think your approach is probably going to help. You know, when cortisol drops, we all know that your metabolic rate speeds up, you drop water, uh, you feel good. Um, fat loss can happen really well when you drop cortisol because it gets it out of the way. So I'm not saying someone will drop mm-hmm. fat the day they're doing the refeed, but they get that nice drop in cortisol, which can help the next couple of days be even better. They're probably going to feel better the day after they train with the refeed versus mine. They just trained hard as hell and had carbs. So 
I can make arguments for all of it. And I think that's an important point to think about is, is mm -hmm. the cortisol part. So here's my, my science, I guess, behind my reasoning here, right? So, so we know that insulin sensitivity is better when inflammation is low. We know that prolonged training and dieting can cause increased inflammation. We also know that digestion and absorption and perhaps the signaling of the intestinal K and L cells to the pancreatic beta cells to release insulin in response to glycemic load um, is better when insulin, when, when uh, the, the client is less stressed. Right. So this is perhaps why the back-to-back -back two day refeeds, like yeah. let's say you hit, you know, instead of doing a thousand carbs on one day, you do like 600 and 600, you do a little bit more combined over the course of two days then you go back to training hard on the third day may work better. It's just because the inflammation is lower. Um, I have seen that myself and in my female clients, for some reason, I think the female clients need a little more, bit more time to wash off that stress. Yep. And, you know, as you alluded to John, the lowering of the cortisol um, has obviously interplay with aldosterone. And that's why you get that water flush effect and you look tighter and you perhaps urinate more when you carb up. Um, and that's also because, you know, cortisol is then metabolized over to cortisone via that 11 beta HSD, right? You can see that on a Dutch test. Yeah. Now, the concern about um, perhaps overshooting is where, you know, you prescribe the amounts of carbohydrate intake so that you don't have any de novo lipogenesis occurring, which is actually the creation of new fat cells from an overfeeding of carbs, yeah. But, you know, we know that, you know, the liver holds about 100 grams of carbohydrate, give or take. The skeletal muscle holds another 500. So that's 600 carbs that you're, you're covered, right? So then depending on how depleted you are, how long you've been dieting, and also the um, intramuscular like triglycerides, how, th how much those have been depleted, I wouldn't worry about any de novo lipogenesis if sufficient depletion has occurred. So that's why I wouldn't worry about refeeding on a non-training day. That's the science. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I love I love that you have a little picture. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's my backing <laughs> against my claims. Jeff was just like, bam, take that. <laughs> Mic drop. Yeah. I have a reason for, for why I said what I said. Yeah. Roll, roll credits. It's not going to get any better than that. Roll credits. <laughs> Well, John, you did mention glycogen storage earlier in the sense or in connection with refeeds and cheat meals, um, and that we did want to speak about some supplements that can pot potentially help with that. What's what's your input on that? There's some really good supplements. Um, there's some really good prescription medication. Matter of fact, I've got one here in my bag. I have a prescription for it. It's metformin, uh, probably the ultimate mm -hmm. uh, GDA. It, well, there's others out there, but you know, insulin is the ultimate GDA, uh, your body produces it. And basically it shuttles carbs and glycogen to be stored. But we're talking about from a supplementation standpoint. Um, and I know fat muscle projects, a supplement company, and I have a glucose disposal agent. I'll always have one. I've been involved with GDA since 2008. Um, so basically what they do is they just help insulin do its job better, or they act like insulin and help the carbohydrate store. So it, when you really think about this, I'll try and keep this short. Anytime you eat carbs or especially a lot of carbs, right? Insulin has to go up to drive those carbs, the blood sugar down and drive everything into the muscle and the liver to store it as glycogen, right? It requires insulin. So 
when insulin gets really high and you start to store carbs even more, the higher insulin is, the more you risk storing some fat, right? And the higher insulin is, the more it blocks fat loss. So if you're in a fat loss phase, that's, that's phase. That's why something like metformin works really well. Something like a over-the-counter GDA works well as, too. So my point here is a GDA helps your body do its job with less insulin because it either acts like insulin or there's a cofactor to insulin. Uh, some things like berberine, which I'm really big on, um, and, and metformin, the med, is very similar. It actually tricks your body into thinking it's low on energy and causes your body to start pulling, uh, you know, blood sugar, even fatty acids into the, into the mitochondria to be used as energy. So it tricks your body and think it's low on energy and it helps lower your blood sugar, your insulin lowers, and it allows you to burn fat a little bit better. Um, anybody that says it's all about calories in calories out, they don't know how the systems of the body work and how hormones work, especially insulin, because I'm mm -hmm. telling you right now, if you take someone that's, you take two, a, a twin, and I've, I've dieted twins before. Literally, the diet was the same the whole time. If you gave one metformin and you gave and the other one nothing, I'm telling you that person with metformin is going to get lean way faster. It's because it lowers insulin. It keeps blood sugar in a good range, and it helps drive the, the glycogen in to be stored in the muscle with priority because we've trained, right? Our muscle cells are primed to accept glycogen. Now, a normal person walking the street that doesn't work out, their muscle cells aren't primed. They can't go do high carb days. They don't have, they're going to store it in their liver and in their fat cells because they're not training. So as physique athletes, I think taking a glucose disposal agent, I take them with, with carb meals anyway. Uh, mm -hmm. But on a high carb day, I think it's especially important because you want, you don't want insulin just running super high all the time. And there's other reasons too, like the higher insulin is for long periods of time, the more you start to develop insulin resistance, uh, things like prediabetes can happen. That's why you see these runners that, that, you know, drink all these, all these drinks and all these chews and all this stuff. And they, they're marathon runners. There's, there's a lot of people that are pre-diabetic and they're type two diabetic mm -hmm. because they've just pounded sugar and insulin for so long in their bodies. So taking a GDA, long story short, is is very beneficial for for health and carb storage. Right, awesome. Jeff. What, what's your take on it? And um, like maybe also in the same context as well, um, would you or how how would you use refeeds, structured refeeds, or cheat days, etc., um, just to get an idea of like within prep to maybe practice for peak week or or even during sure. peak week as well. Yeah, you know, I think um, there's a formula that's 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 pretty helpful, and it's an estimate. Okay, so you take your body weight, your lean body weight, divided by two point two to get kgs. You multiply that by eighteen, and that theoretically is your carb limit. So if I'm doing the math in my head correctly, let's say you know 190 pounds divided by 2.2, we're talking like 80 something, right? 86 or 87. 86. Yep. 86. Yeah. And then you multiply that by 18. So that's 1600. Yep. 15. 15 yep. 15 something, 1600. Yep. Okay. So roughly speaking, you could consume 1500 grams of carbs without any de novo lipogenesis, assuming full depletion. Right. So it's obviously going to vary depending on how you train, how you do your cardio, how the person's metabolism is, their insulin sensitivity. But knowing that you can test refeeds throughout prep as they get depleted. So maybe like eight weeks out, they're not as depleted. You could probably test like a thousand gram refeed and see how that client looks. As they get closer to the show, test 1200, test 1500, 
maybe two weeks out of the show and then hit them right before. That way you can really, you know, time the refeed so that you get a precise look. And that brings us into the discussion of like front loading versus back loading, or some people like to do a midweek load, then you wash off any sort of um, any sort of excess flow or spill, um, and then you can tighten them up for the show. But that's how I would implement them for a prep. That's awesome. Yeah, nice. And what about you, John? Same sort of? I, I do the same thing. Jeff, I like that formula that you just gave us because you know, <clears throat> no one's going to be 100% depleted, which obviously we all know that. But if you take somebody at, you know, they're 60% depleted, which we can achieve by having them do, high, I have my clients do high reps, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, right? Mm -hmm. And then Thursday morning, they might wake up and do not to failure, but just a high rep depletion workout, like full body, and then start carving up. And this is just one example. And I'll do this two, three weeks out from a show. And I'll have them hit a certain amount of carbs. So maybe it's 900 carbs or there are times I use free meals, believe it or not. Um, and I'll talk about that in a second, but I will do these high carb refeeds to test out what my clients look like. And what I'll do is I'll have them carb up on a Thursday. Maybe it's 900 carbs. And then I'll have them send me pictures Friday morning. And then I'll have them send me pictures Friday evening, the, the morning after and then in the evening after. So I can see where they look their best. I need to see if they're watery. Did they spill? And if so, I'm going to have them take pictures two days after. And then I just replicate that going into the show. So it really, if you're a new coach and you need to understand like carving up and what your client's going to look like, don't just guess during peak week, take a minute. And it doesn't have to be 900 carbs. My guy that just won everything, I carved him up on Thursday night of 400 carbs. Like that's yeah. it. Like, and then I, then I did some other stuff day of the show, which we'll talk about on another podcast, right? It was a different approach. But my point is, I did a test run with them the week before. So I already knew what was going on. Um, and free meals, I will do that. And here's my one caveat. When someone is dieting on lower fat, I like to test out a free meal because not only are they carb depleted when they're dieting, but they're lower, their fats, their intramuscular triglycerides. I Jeff's probably going to geek out because I see him smiling over here, right? Because we don't <laughs> get to talk about this stuff a lot on podcasts. So when you have something like a burger and fries, you get to fill out not just with carbs, but you also get to fill out with fats and you can achieve a look. And that's, by the way, that's what I did the day of the show with my guy that won everything. He looked ridiculous. If you're low fat, you can actually fill out with a refeed uh, or with a free meal that way. And it, it can give you a look that no refeed can replicate. So that there are times I will do that. You know, I'll tell you guys a funny story. This is one of my best show day looks ever. Um, this is when I, I want to show, uh, it wasn't really a strong show. I'll just say that. But it was, it was, you know, there was a fair number of competitors. Um, I thought I looked my best. I'm not claiming I won nationals or anything like that. But anyways, um, my on the Wednesday before the show, I literally ate two whole pack packages of Oreos, one birthday cake, one double stuffed. And I'm talking <laughs> all four rows, eight <laughs> rows of Oreos after I had gone out to get a, a triple five guys burger and a large fry. And oh my, my hunger was so intense. There was no leptin signaling at all that I consumed all that stuff. I broke out into a sweat and then I went to sleep. Then I got back on a keto style diet Thursday and Friday. And I woke up Saturday tight and crisp and I won the overall. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> I love that. I did. <laughs> It's, it's, it's definitely interesting. And I know, I know we, we'll go long here, but the, at some point we'll want to talk about 
you know, fat loading and things like that. But I think that's probably, I, I think it's safe to say people don't understand if you're doing a keto diet. And then I always get clients that will ask me, Hey, can I do like a really high fat day? It's not going to, it's not going to boost your metabolism. Fats don't really boost your metabolism, but they can fill you out and they can do a lot of things to help you look better and give you extra energy, but they're not, unfortunately they don't really boost metabolism, but man, they can make you look really freaking good. I'll fat load. There's a lot of figure pros that I work with that I've worked with that I will use a fat load on because they just respond to that way better uh, with sodium and fats and water. But anyway, that that's for another show. Sorry, Lisa. Yeah. I'm, I'm taking a stand. No, I love it. I think that's super well, first of all, entertaining, especially in regards to the Oreos, but also just yeah. interesting to hear. Um, <laughs> I, I think we're, we're tracking along really well with our notes anyway. I mean, we um, did want to touch on, you know, tracking cheats, I guess, but mm. we a touched on that a little bit just in the sense of, well, aren't they then kind of refeed days anyway um or you know cheat days as opposed to cheat meals well i guess that would be something um interesting to still to still talk about so is there any scenario i guess where you would uh, recommend a full cheat day and label it as such as well i guess jeff you spoke about this last episode and um, post show is that correct i did yeah um i will often give my clients you know 24 hours from the time they step off stage um, to basically eat whatever they want. Um, now this is with the caveat that, you know, they don't have any sort of eating disorder tendencies. Okay. So like, if you told, I think any one of us go ahead and eat whatever you want for a whole 24 hours, I don't think at this point I'd be binge eating Oreos, right? I wouldn't, I haven't even eaten Oreos since 2019, <laughs> you know, but I'd probably have, you know, some blueberry pancakes and an egg white omelet. Maybe I'd have a burger, turkey burger for lunch. I have some sushi for dinner and yeah. maybe two cookies at night. And that would be my cheat day. Yeah. yeah. But not everyone's like that. So, yeah. Nice. What about you, John? You know what? And that goes back to what I said in the beginning. The longer you've been doing this, the more you have just a better relationship with it. And you just enjoy. You don't have to stuff yourself so full. Um, right. out, outside of right after a show, I, sometimes I have people that need a break and I will tell them to do exactly what Jeff just said he would do. I say, Hey, listen, if you need a break from tracking, I want you to just eat whatever you want, but I don't want you to eat yourself sick. I don't, I want you to eat comfortable, full, pick a few meals, have some food that you want. Don't worry about tracking it. And when people can do that with control, they'll see the next week they're, they're not trying to drop six pounds. And mm -hmm. I see their weight trackers and I, you know, I'm, I'm like, Oh, you're up a pound and a half. And they're like, Oh, I'm up a pound and a half. I'm like, it's going to drop in a couple of days. It's just, you know, it's glycogen storage. Don't worry about it. You're going to train and deplete. And when people can take a moderate approach and just enjoy some food. And if you can eat exactly what Jeff just said, like that, I was nodding my head through that whole thing. I'm like, you know, I'd probably eat some pancakes. I sushi is honestly, it's not that high calorie unless you just get to really, really, you know, deep fried. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I'm not eating 5,000 calories from sushi. Um, one, it's too damn expensive. I'm too cheap to do that. But, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but you know, something like that is very simple. I'd probably eat two or three rolls, uh, California yeah. rolls with some sauces and stuff like that. And I'd have some pancakes and honestly, that's probably just it. And I just eat my other normal stuff and drink my shakes because I don't want to feel nasty. And I think that's the thing that, that we need to, there's people listening right now that are probably nodding their heads. When you first start doing this, 
you eat so much that you feel nasty. Like you're bloated, you're farting all over the place. You're just sweating. Nasty. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think we all did really. Um, and Lisa, I think the other thing too is with Jeff and I's client base, we're going to see a little more than that. It, it, to me, I think you and, and your client base, you guys have a little healthier relationship with food because you don't go through the extremes that a lot of our athletes will go through. 100%. And I love to see yeah. that. Um, so hopefully things stay that way um, for you and your clients. Uh, dieting for a show can definitely put someone into a tailspin, but that's just kind of my take on it. No, I, I also nodded to everything because exactly like you said, um, moderation and just sort of learning to eat to a comfortable full level. That's 100, 100% what I try to practice myself and also um, preach with my clients. So um, I like that we're all on the same page there with this. Um, the the last thing that we wanted to talk about, which you, I think, already explained is is where the whole thing actually came from, right? Like with the... Um, how it initially started and it just makes sense from a psychological perspective as well is there anything else that you guys feel like is needed to mention to round off the topic I, mm. I like Jeff I want to ask you a question um, I think this would be something good for us to at least discuss um, I think we should probably give an idea of how someone could just start to do a high carb day or a refeed day or something like that um, and I can kick this off real quick, just a generic standpoint, because we can't tell you, Hey, do this, 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 and this. But what I tell people is, is when they're dieting, whatever you're dieting on, you need to at least try to get your carbohydrates up. I like to drop fats a little that day. If, if, if you can drop fats and up your carbs, but try and get to just your, whatever you feel like your maintenance calories are, leave your protein the same, leave your fats the same or drop them a little, but then raise your carbs up. And at least try to get to maintenance while you're dieting because you've still got six days of dieting fat off one day of getting you to maintenance, which is going to boost leptin. It's going to drop cortisol and it's going to help spur fat loss. So a lot of people, they, they worry, well, I'm not going to lose fat that day. No, you're actually investing in future fat loss. And that's why I want people, Jeff, you probably appreciate that because you're a finance guy. Uh, they're going to invest in it. So Maybe if you're a female dieting on 150, maybe you're going to get up to 275 on Sunday and you're going to get back up to maintenance. You're going to drop cortisol, boost leptin, store some more glycogen, and then you're going to go push for more fat loss for six days. That's my general recommendation for most people. And uh, if you need to do a free meal, the thing that I would recommend is, is make sure that you do it and you eat comfortable full and you go select something that you're going to like, but don't go not make it one meal. And that's my recommendation. If you're dieting, make it one meal, maybe it's some sushi, maybe it's a burger and fries. Um, but do that and watch and see, do you hit your new low next week? Mm. And if not, something's wrong. And it's typically the free meal was too big. So that's just my general recommendations mm -hmm. on where people should start. Cause I know we have people that are like, I don't know what to do. I just eat my ass off and I'm not making progress. And we get it. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's a hard thing to figure out. And if you ever need help, you've got all three of us in the show notes. Our emails are in there. Shoot us an email. Like we will answer your questions. Like that's what we yes. do for. You, yeah. We will never be too busy for you. Send us a, a message, but Jeff, how would you, how would you give any kind of re general recommendations to our listeners? I, I will give some numerical stuff. So, so first of all, I would say a three low, one high repeat carb cycle is a good place to start. 
Yeah. How, how I would set it off is I would find your lean body mass. So this is your body mass without any fat on it. So let's say the average 160 pound woman that comes to me, her lean mass is usually around 120. I would take that 120, multiply it from anywhere from one to 1.25. That's where I would set the protein. For ease of math, let's just say one. So 120 grams of protein. I would set carbs to 120 grams of carbs, one times lean body mass as well. And I would throw in maybe 50 grams of fat just for health purposes. That would be your low carb day, 120, 120, 50. Um, in terms of the, the, so that's your three lows, right? You're going to do one high day. I would probably do two times lean body mass. So 240 carbs. Start there and see what happens. Um, two other things I just wanted to say to sort of like echo on some things that we talked about earlier is the foods that you crave now, give it time, keep practicing nutritional discipline and pay attention to how you feel after you eat your cheat meals. Chances are several years from now, you're not going to be craving hot dogs and, and, you know, grocery store line candy anymore. I've, I have, I can't remember the last time I had nachos. I used to love nachos. I used to binge eat, you know, a whole large pizza for a cheat meal. I don't do that anymore. It's been yeah. years, right? And then the third thing I want to say is I want to give credit to people who came before us, people like Scott Abel, people like Skip Hill, people yes. like Lyle McDonald. Look up those names and read what they have wrote. A lot of us coaches, we borrow from prior literature, prior yeah. success. And those three names cannot go unmentioned when we're talking about carb cycling and refeeds and cheat meals. I agree a hundred percent. I was just looking backwards on my bookshelf. I have a book called body opus from 1996 by a guy called Dan Duchesne. Yeah, yeah, Dan Duchesne. Yep. Lyle McDonald kind of was uh, followed in his footsteps after um, Lyle McDonald's not anyone we'll ever have on the show because the guy is not a good guy and he is terrible and everybody knows it, but his work that he puts out, if you want to learn about carbohydrate storage and refeeds and ketogenic dieting, and you know what? I can say that on the show because everyone's going to agree and he'd probably agree with me. So, uh, but his work is <laughs> almost unmatched. His work is good. It is so good. Read yeah. Mom McDonald's. Um, like, like you said, Skip Hill with, I don't know how he does things because I haven't really talked to the guy since 2010, but he is a pioneer and probably needs in the bodybuilding community the most recognition for pushing the limits and doing things outside the box without research that has led to some of the research and has led, I wouldn't mm -hmm. be doing refeeds the way I do them if it wasn't for that guy. Right. So like right. I would just huge amount. And even though I felt, I found what was wrong and tried to find better ways for me, that was still a huge learning tool. I would have never even thought about doing it that way. But prior to him, I was doing Lyle McDonald and Dan Duchesne's protocols, which were really high high carb refeeds. Um, and then I saw how Skip did it. I started learning from him. So those three for me were huge. Hmm. I think Cliff also wrote a book, right? Cliff Wilson. Didn't he write a book recently? Um, yeah. Him and uh, Pete Fitchin, which, you know, both those guys are on our fat muscle project team. They yeah. were the bodybuilding, um, complete bodybuilding handbook. Yeah. 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 And it talks about how to prep and everything, how to do free meals and refeeds. So, yeah. Awesome. Very, very cool way to round it off, I think. Um, and just to give people already also uh, a sneak peek into what's coming up in addition to all these awesome practical takeaways that we've given them um, next week or next, well, actually the episode after next is going to be the best muscle building hacks that you might not be utilizing yet. So just, just so you know what's coming up and to tune in for sure next time as well. 
All right. We're out of here. See you guys. Thanks for listening.